he'd already had other grandchildren in prison, so he'd been through it, but yeah, my brother said, you know, Chesky's playing this cruise ship for a while, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I, w- I remember writing to my grandpa and, and tell- telling him stories from the cruise ship, being like, yeah, the captain's kind of an asshole, and you know, <laughs> yeah, I kind of just oh, so had the crazy. metaphor of the cruise ship. All my letters to him were all that's cruise ship hilarious. Wow! And I'd call him every day too, well, unless we were on lockdown. And I mean, I hated the lies, but he also kind of was into it. Um, here I am. It was kind of wild. My brother'd be like, "He's in Australia right now." <laughs> it's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me, but I have to think of you as in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> yes, this koala is pretty tight. The joy of descending the staircase. Uh, in my house, the joy of hearing the construction outside, hearing men work, the joy of running the sink into an old dirty dish, the joy of f- filling a, 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 a glass of water, the joy of then ingesting that glass of water, oh, nectar of the gods. The joy of spilling that water onto your pink shirt, salmon shirt. The joy of wiping that water clean off of your mustache. You can hear the weed whackers outside. And uh, here we go. Here we go out into the day. Should I? Maybe I should uh, fortify before I leave the house, actually. Okay, quick, the joy of opening what is either a check or a bill. We don't know which way it's going to go, but you know what? Ultimately, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. Oh, Google. Hello. Hello, Google. Hello, check from Google for six cents. This is how my publishing works these days. Six cents from Google Incorporated. From YouTube. Okay. Six cents I got from YouTube. A check for six cents. Now, that's in addition to the check I have sitting here for $7.10. Also from publishing, I believe. Uh, Okay. Let's get out of here. The joy of slipping one's shoes on. Or, you know, not ones. Yoni Wolf's. Shoes on Yoni Wolf's green low-top vans. The joy of slipping those on and then exiting the building right now. That is essentially, let's see here. All right. Oh, you're doing it. You are doing it, George. I'm good. How are you? Oh, my God. You're going for it. All right. Good. Good. Oh, I have plenty of stuff like this that I need to take care of. Yeah.
Yeah, I'll get to it. Looking good. Looking Thanks. good. Yeah. I love that tree, by the way. That's oh, such a you. such a nice tree. It looks kind of shitty now, but it'll grow in. Oh yeah, it'll it'll grow in. Yeah. That's you got to trim them back more yeah. than you want to. Yeah. So that they grow in good. Yeah. Keep up the good work, man. Okay. Doing God's work. All right. That was my neighbor George. So essentially, what you see here, uh, that's how the game is played. The joy of, right? The joy of walking down the sidewalk, seeing these ominous clouds in the sky that could crack at any moment. It's beautiful. You know what? That's how subjective our experience is. You put that phrase before anything you do. The joy of, you know, uh, visiting the hospital for a broken arm. The joy of uh, you know, going to the, the uh, loan place to get uh, a loan on, on your check before you get your monthly check. The joy of, etc. I'm sorry for all this noise. This is what's happening in my neighborhood right now and has been for the past six months and wakes me up every morning with the beep, 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 beep uh, consistently. And I sleep in earplugs. Yeah, it doesn't always wake me up when I'm in the earplugs, but if I'm not wearing them, it always wakes me up. And, uh, but, you know, progress, right? Change, development. So, that is, is how the game is played. This is a game I've been playing since yesterday. And, you know, it may not stick around for forever, but that doesn't matter. Only just right now is what matters. And uh, we'll figure out later, later the way I see it. But uh, this is my attempt to just change change my mentality. You know, people have different outlooks on life and I, I've tended to have maybe, I don't want to say a pessimistic outlook because yeah, maybe early on in life I had that to an extent, but, but just more of a negative outlook than I need to. Um, you know, you, what, what is the difference between experiences except for how you perceive them. You know, what's, what's the fundamental difference of, uh, you know, si- sitting on, on a, a white sand beach or uh, in a chair in an infusion center, you know, getting something pumped into your blood. What, what's the fundamental difference between those two experiences? Um, or, or, you know, or is it really about your perception of them? Is one good intrinsically? Is one bad intrinsically? Uh, how do two different people experience those two different uh, moments in time? You know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. These are quite, but, 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 but my goal is to be able to see regular moments as the beautiful things that they are, regardless of what they are. Maybe that seems silly that I would ask, what's the difference between those two experiences? Fundamentally, it seems obvious, but really get down to it and think about the bigger picture here. What's the difference? 
You know, I, I, I've found myself that in those experience, in those times of, 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 of hardship, difficulty, in a way, I've been more connected. You know, I've been those other layers of consciousness of, of um, I don't want to say consciousness like, like it's some kind of psychedelic experience, but spiritual maybe. Um, but but those those layers of self consciousness and uh, sort of practical thinking are peeled away when when you're faced with you know or closer down to the bone. Um, when you're closer down to the bone, you you, you you know you don't have the luxury of, of thinking all that neurosis. So you know me personally, I'm able to connect more. The goal is to be able to connect in any in any experience, whether it's mundane, difficult, or beautiful, or you know, sort of I, I, typically beautiful, like a white sand beach. I would like to go to a white sand beach. I'm not saying, you know, in my mind now, yes, I prefer the white sand beach to the infusion center. Definitely, definitely, right? But the goal is to not really, I guess. It's to just accept. That was interesting. I looked up. There's a sign that says God is peace. And there's like a, a uh, it's like a shabby shack kind of plywood made porch situation. And I just saw someone recede into the house quickly before I could see who they were. And they're feeding birds now. I see an arm throwing out seeds to these birds interesting anyway this is my experience these are beautiful things okay oh it's starting to rain i'm gonna get inside you guys our guest today i'm going to the coffee shop collective espresso our guest today and i'm sorry if if none of that makes sense to you and it seems like gobbledygook babble but that's that's where i'm at in life okay trying to work through that um our guest today is chesky Chesky is, I first knew him as a, as a rapper. Uh, he's a musician in general. He plays different things. Uh, and he is a record label magnate. And he was an alleged drug kingpin, was, past tense, alleged. Um, it's an interesting story. This guy's got a real interesting story. He's a real chill dude. You know, I, I knew him for many years, but never, you know, really knew him. Just kind of knew him peripherally. And it was great to be able to sit down and have a full-length conversation with him and uh, get to know him a bit and, and, and hear what he's, what, he's, what he's been through, what he's done, and where he's at now. I, I don't need to explain it further. Uh, let's get into this conversation with Chesky Ramos. Yo, what up? Come in, come in, come in. Entree. Um, I set us up over there. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. So, how, how you doing, man? I'm all right. What? Well, so you you've been touring mass lately? That's what the. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just got off like a month and a half okay. or so, maybe a little in, longer. In the States? 
Yeah, I started like March twelfth. So almost, yeah. almost two months. Yeah. And then you're getting you're getting ready to uh, to do Europe. Yes. Okay. I'm going to mainly Scandinavia. Mainly Scandinavia. That's <laughs> that's kind of rare. It's a really odd tour, and yeah. it's really half-assed and yeah. booked by like a punk guy. Okay. And uh, from Russia. Is he driving you as well? He is tour managing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not driving himself. Okay. My friend Scotty is driving. But yeah, it's like weird. We're going to you know we're going to. I think Latvia oh, and yeah. uh, Finland and places I've never been, so that's interesting. That's dope. I, I like that. I, I've I, I've never been to Latvia. My family's from there, though. Really? Um, somewhere, yeah, Latvia, Lithuania, like these old like former USSR yeah. places. Um, I had no idea. That's cool. My well, you know, way back, my dad's dad came over from. Yeah, he was he like was born in one of the two and then lived in one of the two for a minute and then moved to the states when he was a little kid or you know maybe like eight or nine um but to ohio or no uh philly oh to philly okay yeah yeah um but where's your family from uh my father's from puerto rico and my mother's italian american well she First generation Italian American. Okay, and your father. So your your father straight from actually grew up in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Your mom, her parents are from Italy. Yes. Okay. Okay. Awesome. That's dope. Do Do you speak Spanish or Italian or both? I speak both. Okay. Uh, more Spanish than Italian. Okay, but I do understand. Vamos a ver. Vamos a hacerlo en español, ¿eh? Sí, hablo español. Viviste en California por tantos años. Ahora. Sí, pero hablo porque lo aprendí en la escuela cuando era niño en Cincinnati. We're going to stop doing that. <laughs> Pretty good, though. Um, Got that? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, but, uh, cool, cool. And you grew up, what, around here? I actually grew up in Berkeley till I was, it's kind of weird, I, Okay, so I lived a lot spot, of places. I was gonna say so. So that spot that was on that one street. I'm not gonna say the name. It's a small street, and too many rich people live over there. To be and, not uh, saying names, of you have a song of that. I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Not that other little street. That little street. Not the little street. I don't think I say that name in a song. Maybe I did. Rosewalk. Oh, uh, that one I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. That tripped me. That 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 song, that even the title trips me out, just because <laughs> yeah. so many crazy things happened to me there. Yeah, so <laughs> I can put that name in the thing. It's all right. Whatever. Yeah, man, he I doesn't live. Fucking, oh, oh, he doesn't. I mean, can tell you. Either. I can tell you the whole story about that. If you really want to hear it, <laughs> it's pretty- sure, sure. Because I ran into you guys. I just want to say this because, like, I think it was. It must have been like oh three oh four oh four probably, and um. I uh, I think it must have been 04. I was coming 03. out. 03. It definitely was because I had just graduated college. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like coming out of my girlfriend's house at the time. And like I had met you only once or twice. Probably like what, over on the East Coast maybe? Um, yeah, I think I was at that show right before September 11th. Oh, uh, yeah. In New York. Okay. But, okay. but I also had met you in Oakland. Okay. Um just in one of the Anticon type houses. So back I'm, wa- in the day. I'm coming out of her place, um, in the, like the the rich, richest, richest area in Berkeley, 
uh, in the hills, and because she was a nanny for some really famous people, actually. And then I'm walking down the street, or maybe riding my bike, I don't know, and I see you and your brother. Yeah. Just randomly as fuck <laughs> on that street, which I would never think that I would see somebody I knew yeah. out there. Um, so, yeah, okay, so you grew up in, what, in that house there? No. No, no okay. No, no, no. Uh, man, I lived a lot of places, but we li- we grew up on Oregon Street, kind of near the flea market. Okay, there. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a good chunk of our childhood. Then we moved That's here. That's a good place to grow up, man. Yeah, I it like was that. a great like place that. to grow yeah. up. And then uh, we uh, we moved here. I mean, I was young when I moved here, but I'd go back and forth. So yeah. I was 13 by the time I was in Connecticut. Um, but then my father stayed. My parents got divorced. Gotcha, and my father yeah. stayed there. My mother came out here. Yeah. But um. And what what do you what do your folks do? They're professors. Okay. My father. Well, he was teaching at Berkeley. At he was. Cal Berkeley. He was. Okay. What's what does he teach? He's. Uh, they're both in the Spanish department. Um, okay. Mainly literature and film. They're both kind of that's their focus, like Latin American cinema and literature. Okay. Dope. But Dope. um, yeah, my dad's story is kind of wild. Was, how so? Go ahead. I uh, he hear. he was a tenured professor. By the time he was 33, wow. you know, was really young, and he had a really popular book in his field. Okay. And so he kind of became like a rock star in his field. But he had like a really crazy childhood. I mean, you know, lost his father really young to suicide. And, oh, man. You know, got addicted to drugs. Um, How do you have time for, for drugs if he's... Well... <laughs> That's what's led to him losing his job. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that rose... Oh, so later, way later. Way later. I mean... He got addicted to drugs as a... Later on. Older yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah, yep. Well, I think he always dabbled. Yeah. But he could when hold you it down. Up yeah, and after the divorce and stuff, he... He kind of went off the deep end with that, and like uh, what, like prescription shit, or like heroin and crack, oh, stuff God. like that. Yeah, I mean, and when I th- when I think of, it's funny because you you refer to Rose Walk or off of Euclid right there. I'll I'll say it. I mean, like, no one really yeah. knows what we're talking about. Sure, <laughs> some people do. But. It doesn't. Matter, I mean, yeah. uh, when I think you refer to it as like a rich, nice area, yeah. I think of it as this really dark place, right? Because because my father shit. is, you know, I remember him. Damn, going on crack binges and kind of me sort of babysitting him there and while he's losing his fucking mind. Yeah. And this uh, nice apartment that was sort of, I think, subsidized by the university or something right. like that. Right, right. Owned, then, right. Owned, owned by the university. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. there was uh, worked for the university in some way. I and I remember spending summers there and he was just out of his mind. <laughs> And um, he eventually, I think... As a kid, as a, sm- a young this is, kid? No, this is later, now, like around when I saw you. Yeah, there? he was only there for a couple of years. Okay. Uh, 03, 02 to 04 maybe. Gotcha. And uh, we'd spend summers, like every summer there. So we, I remember, yeah, 03, he was, man, there's like these binges, these drug binges and... He'd just, like, break the apartment apart and think that everything was wired, and I was kind of just there. Oh, like paranoid shit? Yeah, like, super oh, ultra-paranoid. thought worms were in his ears. And, um, you know what the craziest part was? I would hear you guys practicing 
during oh. those those really? moments. Yeah. yeah, we used to we used to yeah we used to play up there. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I or was like, like we were recording probably like uh, this like a thing called Almost Live from Anna's Cabin we did, which is like a almost live what it sounds yeah. like yeah but we recorded that up there that's recorded that's there? probably what we were doing because i don't think we re- really rehearsed rehearsed there but yeah that was oh three we were doing that up there that like summer sense. summer oh three yeah yeah while i'm like strumming on my guitar quietly trying to like i would hear you guys doing like the full band thing yeah it was it was crazy i didn't know it was you until you drove up that day yeah yeah but um but yeah then my pops had to go through a whole case where they tried to they tried to just like fire him straight up. Um, he had lost his living space and he was homeless and was like, I think, living in his office and I don't know, got into some altercation, threatened somebody, and he had to go through a court case to basically to get his retirement. Okay. So he was forced to retire early. So he no longer works for UC Berkeley. <laughs> but 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 he got he got his retirement because he was tenured already. Yeah, he got he got some sort of retirement, yeah. like an early retirement. Yeah. Um, he he really won the case, and you know, in the end, that's good. It's not what he would have gotten if he kept working for of another course. you know fifteen years or whatever. But yeah. he he did win his case. And how's he doing now? Way better. Okay, he's doing good. much better. He now. still lives out there. He actually is living in New York right now. Okay, going okay. Be back between Ecuador and New York. Okay, and uh. Doing like a class at UPenn and then a class in Ecuador. He's cool. sort of like freelancing. Okay, freelance professor right now. He's so. what's his field of expertise? Expertise like I know you said filming whatever culture. And, Mainly uh, Marti, Jose Marti, the poet from Cuba. Ignorant I am. Uh, did a lot on. I mean, his book, a book he wrote in his early thirties, became. It's 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 literary criticism. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, turn of the century stuff, like late nineteenth century okay. stuff. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's really good, actually. It's really interesting. Stuff. Does he do, is it, does he have like diagnosed uh, mental what like um, uh, what do you call it? you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got issues for that. sure. Yeah. Um, we we definitely inherited a lot of that. You have some stuff like that. Uh, depression, issues, depression, severe yeah. depression. Yeah, yeah. Do you and you you hit that often? Does it come up often for you? Often, not recently. Uh, it definitely comes up. Yes. Is it easier or harder since you've gotten older? You know what? Easier, way easier. Because you 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 know you, you level off a little. I find you like, you level off a little. You're what in your thirties? I assume. Yeah, I'm yeah. thirty three now. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I I. I mean, still hard. I hate it when you get to this point when you're when you're comfortable with death, and you're just like, okay, I'm ready to peace. You know, that's like, holy shit. That's when you got to wake yourself up in a negative or positive way, because there's a positive way to do that too. Right. That like a like a Zen thing, right? Zen thing, I suppose. (laughs) But uh, I I see it as it's frightening sometimes when I when I'm too uh, ready. and I think that's that's that level of depression, or you know, when you're like suicidal. Yeah, that scares yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, and that you know, happens to me once in a while. Yeah, and it's like okay, I could drive this car into a tree. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, it's just feel, wild. But that you know, I used to feel that 
I, I used to feel that. I Not really lately. You know, I, I, the older I've gotten, the less I've the less I've thought about that. That's very good. And I, same here. Same yeah. here. It's yeah. more far. I'm, I'll stay really busy, too. That's, yeah, that's good. That's I mean, I think here. that helps. What else helps, do you think? Uh, I think, I want to say exercise, or at least, like, thinking about... Thinking about exercise, or thinking about <laughs> thinking about yourself in a positive way. Yeah, um, which is something I kind of picked up in prison. Which is Look, that, I want. I do want to talk about <laughs> that. No, I knew that. I don't know much about it, but, yeah. but obviously I had heard about it. All um, right. all right, fine. You said it, so let's go into that. What the sure. fuck? What what happened? Can you tell me that story from the top? I know it had something to do with drugs, right? Yeah. Uh, so in 2010, I was involved in a a big marijuana bust where this dude had driven a hundred pounds to my house, to my family's house. Were you selling that much weight? No, no, no. That's like way more than I ever touched before or saw before. Yeah. And in fact, even after I got arrested, I didn't really know how much he had in his car until I saw it on TV a couple of days later. But, um, yeah, he basically, he was doing a big, uh, he was a mule, and drove a bunch over from the West Coast and got arrested in Illinois and pinned it all on me and brought, like, ten cops to my house. Said he was bringing 100 pounds to you yeah. personally. Yeah, it turned out to be 110 pounds. And, Jesus. Um, he, you know, brought it to my house, had a fucking, like drug team track task force behind him with I automatic he, weapons so he was at that point he was he was not he was working for them yeah yeah I yeah see, totally i see and so the reason and the thing is i know i know the laws enough to know i can demand to speak to an attorney and you know i've listened to rap music my whole life yeah, i know yeah, laws a little yeah, bit. yeah but uh this these cops were not having it they wouldn't let me speak to an attorney they were just they were threatening my whole family. Was it SWAT team motherfuckers? Or yeah, what? it was that style. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. God. It was like 10 motherfuckers with automatic weapons oh and pistols and just all black with like beanies. Did, did you have weapons and shit? Or you, or like- no, I did not have weapons, luckily. I was, fuck, I was in sandals. and yeah. well, I, He woke me up. He startled me and kind of woke me up. And my, my brother was like, hey, this fucking dude keeps calling. So I... Answered my phone. He's like, "Hey, I'm here." Was it early in the morning. I, I hadn't met him once before. Okay. Uh, we had a mutual acquaintance and stuff, but it was definitely startled. And me. you knew you knew he was coming to bring you something. Uh, you know what? I did at some point, but it was. I thought it got called off. Okay. And then, it, so that's part of the reason I was really taken aback. But it was all. much less. Yeah, I, I definitely much, got would, like, my my friend who was sort of middlemanning the whole thing originally. Um, said no way ever more than um a certain amount, which was you know fifty, like never more than fifty pounds. Yeah, and so they were like, okay, okay, whatever. But, but they, you you would you would sell fifty pounds? Uh, at that point, I, I mean, is this that is this okay to talk? No, about? yeah, my case is done. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. uh, no, not not really. And honestly, I wouldn't um want fifty pounds of what he had because it wasn't really the best shit. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like. These guys, they had an excess of weed in California, and it got to the point where they were desperate to get it out. Yes, yeah, so they had hundreds cheap. and hundreds of pounds, obviously. Yeah, yeah. 
And so in because their minds, they were just like, this, let's get rid of it. Let's fucking have someone. Is this because of the dispensaries and all the competition? So everybody was just trying to couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. Out yeah, there. Yeah. Everything just went way down in price. Yeah. Yeah. This was a 2010. The so buyer's market. It was really. Yeah. They fools were just trying to get it out of California. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, so it was sort of this half-assed thing where they decided themselves even though they had a few other people telling them no, people above me telling them not to, they just kind of took it upon themselves to do it. And to, to, to frame you, you mean, or to, or uh, to, to bring pin, it, to, to, to even oh, just oh, bring see, that I much. Okay. And I don't know if they were going to other houses or what, but yeah, when the guy got caught, he framed me, he pinned me because it was the easiest option. You know, he didn't really know me and it was an easy option for him. But the reason I ended up having to confess, and uh, it was really a forced confession. Did you, you confess for that that huge amount? I I didn't, but, but of course, it was basically the cops had cornered my grandfather, who was at the time ninety eight. He's one hundred and two now. Oh wow! And he's still you know kicking. And uh, my brother and my mother were all in the house at that time. Yeah, and they all got cornered by cops and questioned and it was a a while of just interrogation and without being able to speak to an attorney which is illegal you know we all demanded to speak to an attorney were they mad confused like your grandfather and your mom but your brother probably knew what you had going on my brother was on some just freaking out because you know with the situation and really because of my grandfather and my mother you know seeing them like all confused and startled but um so it was stressful, and yeah. I eventually was like, just tell me what the fucking say. Yeah. You know, I did this, this guy was like looking over my shoulder, kind of telling me what to write, this cop, and they took right me away. On the spot. On the spot. That's fucked without up, Without even, and you know what else is fucked up? As I'm there, giving, before I even gave the confession, there's a journalist in the room. Oh my God. With the cops, like ready to go. He already had gotten the call and everything. The story was already planned out. Yeah. And this it, was in what town? New Haven. New Haven. Okay. Yeah. And it was all the, the weed was all wrapped in Christmas presents and it was all inside of this rented SUV. Um only one of the boxes had ever been taken out. And um Yeah, they had this whole story already kinda set. Jesus. And so I I gave my confession and went to jail and the next day got bonded out and by family? Yes, by yeah, by family and three years later I eventually did some prison time after going to court. So you had a bunch of court Yeah. For years. Bunch of court, got you know good nightmarish. Good lawyer and everything and um yeah, it was it was stressful, man. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> you never know. I, I had to, there was times where I was I was like, "Fuck, I got to tour as much as possible." Because you spent just I had just so come out with an album. I, I had just come out with an album in 2010, and I remember touring with Open Mike Eagle actually, um, right before Open Mike Eagle, Mocha Only, and uh, Factor. Right before that, that was probably my last tour before that. Oh, and then I went to England as well. So I was touring pretty heavy. Yeah. And then that happened, and I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to tour at all until I got bonded. 
then I then they said you could tour wherever you want, but you have to come back to court every month. Okay, pretty much. So there was this years where I had to come just would, to say that you you hadn't fle- fleed or whatever. Yeah, I'd have to just kind of check in, and they'd yeah, be like, yeah. "Okay, next month, next right, month." It was, right. You for know, three years. For yeah, about three years, and, and, then, um, and then you went to prison. Yes, uh, I ended so, up taking a bargain. Okay, um, for eighteen months, um, they yeah they gave me some money back, which helped pay legal fees. Money back that they seized. They had seized money from that my, they, that from they my, considered to be drug money. Right, from me and my family. Actually, they they had seized money from myself and my mother because it was going on in your mom's house. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was actually proven to be like the reason we even got it back is because we had proof of where it came from. Yeah, so that was one it was thing from her selling drugs. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, truthfully, it was from I had one. At the casino, I'm a, oh, I'm a gambler. Really? I had like you know I played blackjack and stuff, so I had won like ten thousand dollars the night before. Oh wow! It looked really bad, but it was yeah, like yeah. this fresh cash ten thousand dollars wrapped in casino wrapping right. with an uh, electronic report saying that I had won it the night right. before. So I had the proof that I had won the majority of the that money must they have been seized. Nice, at least to get yeah, that it was yeah. nice, but oh, it took you know, it took three years. But. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was just really stressful time, and I was on tour, breaking up with girlfriends at the time, and you know, just just kind of yeah. just going through it all, losing family. My grandmother passed away right before that too, and it was just a really crazy time. And then when I finally went to prison, I got to think about it a lot, and in prison, I think about the time. Yeah, it's sort of like it was all kind of, you know, quick blur. And then in prison, I got to think a whole lot and started doing push-ups and shit. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> it's like, you, I mean, just maintenance, you know, yeah. so, you, there's nothing else to do. You just read, write, do push-ups. Now, I, what's, da- what's like a daily routine? Is it like shit on TV or is it, or like, is it? I don't know. If, I don't, I'm trying to think about how prisons depicted on TV. Uh it's boring as fuck. I mean, you know, you get your couple times a day to go out in the yard. You usually walk around with your, the, possibly some friends you meet yourself in or people you talk to. And you could either, like, exercise in the yard, do pull-ups or whatever, or just walk circles in this kind of small yard. Just to exercise a little bit. Just to exercise and get some fresh air. That's about two times a day. Otherwise, you're in your cell? Uh, well, I got moved like seven times. So yeah, I was in a cell at some time and some periods I was in a cell. The bulk of the time was in a dorm with a hundred other people. So you're on bunks. Is it scary? I mean, is it dudes real threatening or not so much? I mean, there's dudes that are threatening, but they just, you know, it's more, it's not scary as much as just annoying at that point. Yeah. It's kind of like. I was I wasn't ever scared. I was just kind of like you never got fucked with, really. I got fucked with a little bit, yeah. um, but more like I'm not going to do your laundry this week. You know, yeah. like some little power moves like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know what? You're gonna have to clean the fucking bathroom because 
you're new here some right. shit. Right. Clean the you gotta clean the little area we live in. Right. Because you're right. new. You right. know, like little things like that, power moves. But generally I was surrounded. And you would just be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, it was yeah. like whatever. I was like, really? Like yeah. you know, sometimes I'd question it and yeah. as long as you're not, you know, a pussy about it or, you know. Yeah. If you if you hold your own, people respect it. Yeah. And um at that point I was just pissed at life anyhow, so sure. I was definitely holding my own. Did you use it as a time you say you, you use it as a time to think and reflect? Yeah, you're forced to, really. You, what what <laughs> right. And I guess that's probably, you know, supposed to be initially why they you know, what the system's supposed to be about, right? You, <laughs> right. you find find God and reflect on your time or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. What what how did you what did you how did you change? Well, I don't know if I... I mean, I definitely changed. If anything, it's just about... I think I've always been a respectful person, but if anything in there, you just have to really respect the space of others and learn to share even more than I'm used to. I'm used to touring with many other guys sometimes Mm -hmm. and used to sharing spaces, but this is just a more extreme level of that. Um, also take, I learned, if anything, I learned to take time for myself and to focus on myself a little bit more and my mental well-being and my health a little bit more, mm-hmm. which is something I completely ignored for years and years. And if anything, that's what I took away from it. So uh, you went in in 2013 yeah. So you only just got out not too long ago. Yeah, I got out in 2000, be very end of, it wasn't, it was, you I didn't, didn't end do. end up doing 18 months? No, oh, no, right. I did not do that. And I can tell you why. Why? <laughs> I, there was a program in Connecticut. Okay, first of all, when I took the 18-month plea, I knew immediately that all nonviolent crimes um, in Connecticut get half off automatically through something um called TS, uh, Transitional Supervision. It's a, they have these programs basically for nonviolent criminals. That's sort of automatic, so you're always going to do half the time. But so then my lawyer... Yeah, that's nine months. Then my lawyer told me about another program called Transitional Placement. Okay. So that was half the time of the TS. Okay. And so I had... about four and a half months. Yeah, yeah. So four, I ended, ended up doing four months... Part of the conditions for that is that you, I had to spend a month in this sort of like a halfway house. After you got out? Yeah. Well, it'll, I was still in. It's, it's, a, it's a level one facility. Okay. And it was sort of like a halfway house within a mental institution, actually. And um, we had to go to AA and NA meetings and a lot of God talk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, a lot of guys who did 30... 30 plus years murder stuff yeah. like that yeah and we we're all kind of like in this real world type you know 20 men fit to live in a you know like yeah like in a house together living and just kind of like living and you can't leave it yeah and so it was pretty intense did, month did did you make any any friends at yeah that time? i made People friends everywhere in contact with yeah okay yeah i made friends everywhere um my last roommate was a really intense um, Muslim gentleman, and it was like, like a black Muslim or yes, Arab Muslim, black, uh, black Muslim. Okay, yeah, he was 
very intense man. He was like on some like wake up and do 500 push-ups and <sighs> like he'd make me do it and shit. Like one day he's like, we're doing a thousand today. <laughs> you know in, what I mean? In the, like, like with how, how many, the, like how they, many reps, in, how many breaks, how many like little breaks before between, but yeah. like we're doing a thousand. Yeah, and he, he like pushed me to that point and like that that's, kind of shit. He was super intense. Like I see before me, like yes, very swole, <laughs> very buff. But yeah, no, he would be like, um, if there's a hair in the shower or something, he'd be like, why is there a hair in the shower? Who right. will? Right. Um, I need to smell bleach before I take a shower. Right. I need the cleanliness, you know, like everything was super intense with him. Did so, you, I mean, did you appreciate that or, or, or was, it uh, anti- was it antagonistic or was it like almost like I, big brotherly? I, it was big brotherly and then it became just way too much. Yeah. I wanted to leave so bad. Yeah. It was worse than anywhere else in prison because yeah. of that. He was just so intense. But that was in the halfway house place? Or, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it basically was... An extension of prison. It yeah. felt like prison. It was just like, imagine just, it's just like prison, but it's a house and where you have a room, like a regular room, yeah. kind of more regular bathroom. You could wear clothes, yeah, but you can go in the yard, but you can't go anywhere else and you can't leave. Right. So. And is it it's fenced in? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I wanted to leave, if I wanted to escape, it'd be very easy. Did you have a, br- a bracelet though or anklet? No. You no, could, it's just more like this is the end of sentences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like if people would have your the, ass. I mean, it's not you know. Oh yeah, if you if you fucking leave from there, yeah. you're an idiot, and then you're going back to prison. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So, tell me then, what 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 is your? Do you have a spiritual life, or or I mean, that's a, really. that's a strange question, but you know, did that put anything into? Did you meditate while you were in there? Do you have any kind of like? realizations about self and and the universe and whatever my father my father has sent me um the book uh when things fall apart by pema chodron okay and she's a i believe she's a buddhist monk i i did go back to that book a lot i don't i'm not a spiritual person really i'm very cynical and i i guess i'm agnostic or something i grew up very catholic you know um, altar boy, all that, you know, but I, I'm really not very spiritual. I don't necessarily believe in anything specific, but I did feel the need to go back to something and it was this sort of brand of self-help book. Yeah. (laughs) It sort of became my little pillar. (laughs) What would you tell yourself when it, when it got hard and you're just like, Oh my God, I can't fucking do this. What, what was like, I mean, I'm sure it got that way, right? And yeah, definitely. What would you tell yourself to like make yourself keep going? You know, uh, a big part of it was just knowing the support I was getting out here. I mean, yeah. getting the letters constantly. Yeah, and getting you had a books. lot of love out here. Yeah, it yeah. was like super intense. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of letters yeah. and books, and you know, I felt that. And yeah, I could. So, writing and reading and you know, exercising, even just doing, feeling. Forcing myself to do push-ups or something like that yeah. at a point when I'm losing my mind. That, that right, was right, right. You, you start know? to, you, yeah, you get real dark and you're like, right, I gotta move. I gotta yes. Do yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that that's that seems to make sense to me. Um, 
but yeah, that's the that's the story. Wow, man, that's crazy. <laughs> and what? How did it feel to emerge from there? I guess you took it in steps because you went to the halfway house first, and then coming. You know, how did it feel getting out of that place and yeah, going back back home? I don't know. You know. Yeah, you know, um, I got I got out, and I was on parole for um over a year after that. But uh, I got out, and it was very emotional. And I I remember going to my I wanted to see my grandfather. He happened to be in the hospital on a short hospital stint. It wasn't anything serious, luckily, but I just remember, like, just feeling extra emotional, you know, and just seeing him in the ho- on a hosp- hospital bed and just bursting into tears. And um, I also remember, you know, him kind of being like, you know, happy to see me. Yeah. And he didn't know I was in prison. He thought I was on a cruise ship. That's what I, they told him? That's what my brother came up with to tell oh, him. He man. didn't want to, like, give him a heart attack or something. Yeah. He'd already had other grandchildren in prison, so he'd been through it. But, yeah, my brother said, you know, Chesky's playing this cruise ship for a while. <laughs> and uh, that's what, is it, did, you, did your family grow up calling you that? Yeah, okay. Chesky. Yeah, yeah. What's that, Everybody. What's that, uh, what's that mean, or, or where does that my, derive from? My full name is Julio Francesco. Oh, okay. And, okay. Uh, so Francesco. Francesco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I, w- I remember writing to my grandpa and, and tell it, telling him stories from the cruise ship, being like, yeah, the captain's kind of an asshole, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> these guys, you know, they, <laughs> I kind of just oh, that's had so the crazy. metaphor of the cruise ship. All my letters to him were all that's cruise ship hilarious. Wow. And I'd call him every day, too, well, unless we were on lockdown. Oh, my and God. So it was kind of wild. My brother would be like, he's in Australia right now. <laughs> and you would just have to play it? Play yeah, it I'd be like, yeah, this koala is pretty tight. Oh, <laughs> my God. And, I mean, I hated the lies, but he also kind of was into it. And yeah. so he was, man, he was 100 years old at the time. So, But, um... I got out, saw him, got very emotional, and I remember running because I remember running up up and down stairs like on some rocky shit, which was insane. Because you could, because at that I could, point, instead of being confined to space. Yeah, and so that was really intense too. Yeah, and then after that, the paranoia kicked in really heavy. Paranoia in regards to what? I would just walk into a pharmacy or something and just feel like everybody in that whole room was looking at me and like I did something wrong. I mean, because when you do get to prison, there's one thing for sure. People are, you know, trying to get your shit. Right. There's people, you get, you know, a little bit of money for food or toothpaste or whatever. And shower sandals, whatever. And people are trying to, Take your jack shit. you or yeah. people are trying to like bleach off of you. How do you there. keep? How do you keep your? How do you you kind of have to be an asshole. Yeah, you know. I mean, you keep a few people close, share things with them, but you have to be like, no, you have to say no a lot. Yeah, and it but sucks. It's not. Just, it's not in my nature to say someone no. Someone just ask you like, let me get that whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just have to be stern about it. You yeah, have to just be like, no, fuck that. Yeah, I remember this one dude came in. He was just. I had just gotten my shower sandals, and everybody needs to wear shower sandals. Of course. And you find out, you know, because people are... Find out the hard way if you don't. People are jerking off, and the sh- you know, yeah, these yeah. are dudes that are in there for years. Yeah. And um, 
so you need shower sandals. And I remember every, I remember five different people trying to borrow my shower sandals. Right. And it got to a point where I was like, no, no more shower sandals for anybody. You, but you did at first let people use them? I did. I let one guy use them, and that was the mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Man, so, yeah. but you get to the, you get guarded on the outside, too, and you get outside, and you kind of are guarded about everyone around you, and you're looking around, and you're... And, and, you know, I'd walk into a public place and just feel like everyone was looking at me. And then the cop shit happened. I started getting my mail opened constantly, packages that were delivered to me from Amazon and places as reliable as that were just opened in, a, in two days late, you know, showing up to my house. Meaning that they were, they were rifling through my shit. And getting it, like, how were they getting it? They were receiving it before me. They were going, you know, receiving it at the post office, opening it, making sure it didn't have drugs or whatever, yeah. and then delivering it. And then it would ha- it happened quite a bit. I, and it got to, got to put my car was being rifled through. My brother's car had been rifled through. Is and that it's standard like, procedure? You think? I don't think so. I think they had something out out for me. They, you know, they really wanted to get something bigger. They wanted me to do more time. Do you think they they didn't believe your story that that? You, I mean, I just think they wanted more. I, yeah. I feel like, especially that they were police disappointed. Maybe they were disappointed that that they 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 had thought they had caught the big fish, and then they were disappointed that they didn't. That I did, you know, four months, right, uh, right, instead of what they wanted me to do, yeah. which was seven years. Well, you didn't do time so, for a hundred pounds. Is that no? What I didn't. Mean? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. You know, yeah. people. Yeah, the laws were changing already at that point. Yeah. Now it's even my case would have probably not even done time, I don't think. And if I kept fighting that case, I probably would have won the case too. Okay. Cuz they had a weak case. Yeah. Their their main evidence was a confession from this guy. Right. So, and then my confession. Was Your right. confession which which was proven fo- forced. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean it I mean there's there are a lot of holes in it for sure. Did you did you um in the end, in court, did you admit to, like, intent to, to sell a certain amount? Or were you, like... I did... Uh, you know what I did? I uh, I didn't fully admit guilt, even at my last... Uh, there's a... I forgot the exact legal term for it. But uh, I told the judge, I don't fully admit guilt, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm taking this bargain. Yeah, yeah. It's the best thing I, I got see. going. yeah. And because I didn't, I never wanted to fully admit guilt. Yes, yeah. I would never admit to all that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just even in my confession, I didn't know the number in there, so I couldn't. They kept telling me what's in there. Yeah, you know, kept asking me in the in a cop fashion, what's what's what, what's in the car? Yeah, you what's mean? in the car? What, yeah. How many how many pounds are in there? Blah blah blah. Like pushing me, pushing me. I, I actually did not fucking know. Right, right. So it was, you know, I was. I was like, you want me to guess? What do you want me to say here? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I never fully admitted guilt. But, um, yeah, and the, the judge acknowledged that. And and then moved on. Moved on. That. Um, wow, wow, that's wild. And how, how do you think that, has that affected your life in a, in a major way? Do you still have par- paranoia, paranoid feelings, or are you pretty much leveled off at this point? Well, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm feeling pretty level right now. I just, I think getting back to, on the road and getting back to work on music and stuff yeah. like that. Um, 
it's I still have little moments of weird shit. I I was told when I got out that I had symptoms of PTSD. That's what the counselor said. I had to go to like from prison. Count- yeah, yeah. Like I had to go to counseling afterwards. Like all of us had to sort of part of parole. Yeah, something called family reentry. Okay, so like. They need to prepare you. They need to make sure you're cool to be around your family. Right, right. You know, right. But uh, I get that. I mean, it yeah. seems like it's probably necessary. Yeah, yeah a lot, definitely. A lot of people, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these guys that are there for thirty plus. There was a guy that was in that halfway house with me that had spent more. I, th- I was thirty one, I think, at the time, or thirty. Yeah, I think I was 31 at the time, or 32. He had been in jail longer than I had been alive. Wow. And he had just, he was just living there with me, like. Yeah. And it was just super intense to be around a guy like that. Where you could just see it on his face. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, that, I, I can't even imagine. Were, were most of your, like, people that you chilled with in there, were they drug people or yeah. were murderers or, like, I was moved. I, I went from a level four when I when they first put me in. I had to be in a level four slash five where with with everybody with basically a lot of people who had just committed crimes, just been arrested. So it could have been there were definitely murderers, um, any any crime imaginable. Yeah. yeah. Next to me, and then I spent a month in that jail and was moved to a level two. Which is all drug dealers. Okay, okay. That must and have been drug like addicts. better, I guess, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Not as threatening, probably, it seems like. And it was also a nicer place. It was in the uh-huh. woods somewhere. I mean, it wasn't nice, but it was... And you could see outside, okay? You yeah, know, you yeah. could... Um, not not from the dorm, but when we got to go outside a you couple times outside. a day. Yeah. yeah. And it was really nice in that area. So, that was out in Niantic, Connecticut. Okay. I, I could keep asking about this shit forever, but I guess yeah. we should. There's more to you than than the fact that you were just in prison for a little while. So <laughs> let's get into Definitely. other other shit. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the record label, sure, and and when you started that, and why, and how, and and everything like that. Um, yeah, I started it um, 2008 with my brother and. Some friends from California and some friends from Ohio. Um, my friend Who's Tony. Who's from Ohio? Uh, Tony from Squid's Eye. Okay. We're, they're we're, from Dayton. From Dayton. Okay. Yeah. That's not far from me, man. Yeah. It's yeah. like an hour away, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Tony had his mainly indie rock label that was mainly Dayton-based bands. Uh-huh. Some really great bands, actually. Dayton's like, has a great history of, of guided by voices yeah, rock one of my favorite yeah. bands yeah. i fucking love that yeah but um yeah and, and others yeah breeders right yeah but um but yeah uh tony had put out some of my older material my first material fake flowers and francisco faults on his older labels and he basically was like i want to give you an outlet to manufacture and distribute your music anything you want to do you and your brother so that's he kind of he kind of came up with the idea of making fake for a reality okay and he helped manufacture the first album which was david's my brother's record and what's what's his stuff like his stuff is 
I th- like that one's kind of like indie pop folk stuff mixed with hip hop elements. I, I want to say you guys, do you guys have a history in like, um, like, I don't want to say jazz, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you guys. He's did. a he's a jazz drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you guys were in that. Like he world. studied like jazz drumming yeah. in college okay. with like okay. Anthony Braxton, you know. Yep played with these like free jazz musicians and you know he's like super I thought i remembered that super that. good yeah. drummer and stuff and kind of like your brother yeah right That's, yeah same deal same yeah deal. so um i'm not as as cool as that and uh he uh that was the first record we wanted to put out then um we had some friends in, from the grim image label in california who invested in that first record then we sort of just, I think, after the second record, which was Factor Chandelier, we sort of took everything into our own hands and mm-hmm. did it all ourselves. So with from with, there. with funding from those guys too. No, or? we started. We just, just kind of went independent on after that. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. I think Tony helped for another couple of releases, and then it was independent. Cool. And and you you put out stuff. Excuse me. Uh, by. Um, how many different artists would you say you were putting out? Many. Or, or are putting out? I mean, you know. I mean, we, we just... My my new album is the 54th release. That's a lot. On the label. Yeah. So That's a lot. And so. what what sort of styles do you put out? Is it mostly rap stuff or is it uh, very eclectic? It was... When we first started, it was like very eclectic. Yeah. We do soft, experimental, indie, indie rock stuff and like stoner rock stuff and weird orchestral kind of stuff and then we sort of toned it down and did focused on progressive hip hop Mm -hmm. that's kind of our focus that and some like indie rock stuff electronic stuff still Mm -hmm. we're still you know very diverse in what we choose to put out but it's just a little bit more focused we learned early on that we couldn't push everything to yeah, our audience. Yeah, yeah right. Um, even right. though we'd love to, <laughs> and, you, and you'd have to find a new audience for every record in a way. Yeah, right. it was it was tough. just yeah. We, we took a lot of risks early on. Mm-hmm. And now it's a lot more focused on mainly mainly a small group of friends. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've put out a lot of records though. Um, who 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 are the the current um, things you got have coming out? Um, that you just put out. I just put out a new record. Yep. It's my first in five years, and then um, my friend Gregory Pepper from uh, Canada. He's he does kind of like very. This one's a a full length seven inch, so it's ten songs on a seven inch. And it's, it's sort of like, got to sound bad though. It's too. It's too. That's too too many songs for a seven inch, unless they're real short. Songs. They're very short. Okay. Okay. And gotcha, it's gotcha. sort of like on some Weezer esque pop shit that's really smart and yeah. funny it's a good and, shtick. Um, I like the shtick the, the 10 songs in the set. yeah yeah it's a good shtick and he's he's kind of like yeah no one listens to the vinyl anyhow we're gonna right. Right. just give him right. the band camp right. right right but uh yeah we're doing that and then uh there's a new bluebird in the uh, works and I don't know where it's a lot of love I don't that wanna... guy man I did a little tour with him in Florida He's a sweetheart, man. I didn't really know him before that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. But uh, yeah, he's he's a good good dude to hang. Zavala, with. my buddy from Chicago, from Dark Thumb Sunshine. Uh, he's a producer. He's doing some stuff. 
I don't want to, you know, some of the stuff is in the air, up in the air still. So sure, I don't know. sure, yeah, you don't have to, yeah. But, um, what, 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 what were you coming up on? Like, what, what, um, what's, what's your, your genesis, sort of, as an artist and, and as a label owner, you know? Um, you know, I, heavily influenced by the L.A. underground mm-hmm. hip-hop scene, you know, when I got into Freestyle Fellowship and, of Mexican descent and the shapeshifters. That shit like just changed my world and obviously Anticon followed and that the the thing that about that whole movement of hip hop was that it seemed so accessible that it was like I I I had been going to hardcore shows since I was a kid and indie rock shows. I grew up really being a, a more of a rock kid than anything mm-hmm. else. Like I loved hip hop really young, and like living in Berkeley was like this this era of fucking dashikis and cross colors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we lived down the street from the DJ of you know Digital Underground and stuff like right. that. You right. know, like it. Hip-hop was a big influence on me always. I remember buying the Kill at Will Ice Cube tape at the flea market when I was okay. nine or ten or something like that. But then it was like I got really into indie rock. I got What, what were your bands at that time? Uh, was it in high school or something? or Junior high, junior high and high school. Yeah, I got into Fugazi. I got into Guided by Voices, Jawbox, Helium, Polvo. That kind of stuff, pavement, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. It was like exciting to me, mm-hmm. but uh, also grunge, like you know, like your Nirvanas and Pearl sure. Jams, sure, and sure, stuff like that. Alice in Chains and metal and hardcore punk. So you stuff. had a real diverse listening palette. Yeah, yeah. Then it was like all jazz, or okay, just like tons of like Latin jazz and. Mr. Bungle, Mike Patton kind of stuff, or then really nerdy about hip hop. So jazz brought you to like proggy, yes, prog rock too. I mean, just everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. I collected like King Crimson records, and and were you were you a vinyl head? Were you like collecting vinyl kind of guy? Yeah, I've got a lot of vinyl. Mm -hmm. Um, and then where did you find the like underground rap stuff? The like LA stuff or the Anacon stuff, like where where did you like come uh, upon that? Like a, like Amoeba just random buys at, at Amoeba or something? Oh, Amoeba was big for that. Yeah, for real. I would go. I remember buying like I remember walking in just buying the Controller Seven. Yeah, disc one day randomly because I thought it looked cool. Yeah, you know, like that Anticon section was actually really important. I yeah, felt yeah. like and the tape section. I remember Living Legends was a big thing. Yeah, I got into Living Legends and like Three Melancholy Gypsies and shit like that. Yeah. I'd say pretty early on. I mean, I remember them doing the broke ass summer jams. Okay, and those were like these mega. I don't know if were you around for those years. Uh, no, I, I didn't move out to the Bay until two thousand one. Two thousand one. Okay, so okay, yeah. yeah. So it was. I think the last one was in two thousand, and or maybe ninety nine, and it was at Maritime Hall. Remember that place? Ah, uh, Frisco. Yeah, I I don't remember why I was there, but I I right now I have a memory of being there. I don't remember why. Anyway. But yeah, they'd have these big um, hip-hop shows where it would be like 
All the Living Legends, um, Tumex, Subtitle, um, Kirby Dominant would be like the host. Uh-huh. It would be like, you know, a festival, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. like at, at Maritime Hall in San Francisco. Um, that that whole crew, the Earthlings, I remember, was around, like Boak, and just like all these, all these exciting voices in West Coast underground hip hop mm-hmm. were coming together, and I remember actually selling our CDs. I mean, being completely unknown, mm-hmm. bringing fifty CDs and selling out of them. Right, right, because everybody was hungry for something new. Yeah, it was like then. this just exciting period. Yeah. And Anticon was a big part of that. It was a seller's market back then. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, totally. And it was just really exciting, man, just seeing how... I remember going to Amoebas and selling... This is It's just unheard of now, like selling 50 CDs at a time yeah. to Adam or Octavius. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, it's being like, yeah, we we're got we got to jump on a plane. Um, can you grab the rest of our CDs? Yeah. Sure. Like, pay, pay us right there. Those that's the unheard of. 50 things. CDs that yeah. would sell? Right, right. Like, that's insane. Yeah, and that was that our, is insane. That, I remember that. That's on crazy. CDR, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, wow. And I just, it was an exciting time on, on tapes and CDRs. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of like a new punk. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I had seen the hardcore scene in Connecticut the hardcore scene was a big deal. Yeah. Like, we'd go to shows and there'd be tables with fucking, like, um, animal liberation information and, like, right. you know, everybody, it was just, like, this community that, and, you know, people would set up almost, like, look like stores in the middle of the club. Right, like, right. Everybody's shit. You right, know? right. And it was sort of that vibe on the it West did, Coast. It did have that feeling. It did have that feeling, Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, always selling stuff to Amoeba, and that's you know that's how we made our rent money. It's like, yeah. oh man, I got I got to run another fifteen CDs over there, with, you know, whatever. <laughs> like that's just how it was, and they were super cool about it, and and the shit sold. You know yeah. what I mean? The shit sold. Definitely. Yeah. You know. That was that was the most surprising part. Yeah. I, I kind of knew there were there was you know there were times when I was like, damn, you sure you want to take that many? Yeah. And then you'd come back, I'd come back, you know, a summer later, and be like, yeah, we're all out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It's, yeah. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's not quite like that anymore. How, no. how is it having a record label in this environment where it's hard to, to get rid of product? It's crazy. I mean, you have to tour, basically. Yeah. I, I get rid of product on tour. Like, that's how you sell most of your product, would you say, at, sh- at shows? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, looking at, my shipping numbers compared to even the record I put up put out in 2010. Yeah, and this is a this is a more popular record I yeah. would say. The new one. Uh, the new one is called yeah. Broken Bone Ballads, uh-huh. and um, yet stores will pick up one copy, two copies yeah. if they're really supportive, five copies. Right. Just you know. see if it'll sell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's crazy, man. It's like you know, physical product is. Do you call hard. stores? Are you are you like? proactive about that like I, have you sold that one copy i sent you or you know yeah we've done that in the past yeah, but yeah. we're not super great about that the yeah, distributor yeah. says they do that and yeah. they do have their department for retail calls and stuff like that yeah but um yeah i mean stores are picking up a lot less you basically have to prove that people want to buy it before they right. pick up anything and it's yeah. it's a weird environment for it. it's a hard it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's very it's, tough. Things, things have gotten strange. 
Yeah, but there still is a market for it at the at the same time. Like, you know, is there are people still checking for for underground rap or whatever it is that that we've come from? Um, is that something that people are still excited about, or is, has that waned? I think it's it's smaller for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely had its big years. I think like the early two thousands or the two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah were like the big years for for that and mm-hmm. i was like in college and couldn't really appreciate those years like like you guys did but um yeah <laughs> yeah but uh i yeah there there is a market for sure yeah and um do you think that there will this is something i was thinking about the other day actually um just the nature of of things do you think there will be a resurgence, almost like a like a, it's like retro, to be into like you know indie rap or whatever? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I mean like because it feels that way. Some yeah, some yeah. of the places I'm going, these young kids are getting into the stuff we grew up on, right? You right, know, like right. because it's you know the '90s are back, like in terms of like you know people wear like grunge style, <laughs> yeah, Not even. That was even like a couple years ago. Now, I mean, you think like the the aughts, you know, might come back soon, and then that that might be a part of that, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I think they're I think they will. I'm yeah. not I'm not convinced it'll be big or anything, but our the thing about this sort of community or this genre or whatever is that the fans they kind of stick with you. I mean, at least the diehards. Mm-hmm. They're very, very supportive. Yeah. Very, I mean, there's cultish fans out there that will, you know, kind of do stick with you through your whole career. And they support, and that's, yeah, that's, that's key. That's key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what, what, uh, what's, 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 what's next? Sorry. What's, what's next? (laughs) What's next for you, um, in, in life and, and, uh, if you can say. Just more of the same, just torn, torn. Oh, one question I wanted to ask, actually, way back earlier when we were talking about prison. Did you have a girlfriend while you were in prison? I did. Okay. I still have her, sort of. Same same girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Um, yeah, same girlfriend. She stuck wow. it out with me. Wow. It's been tough. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. lie. It's yeah. been tough, but she is a very good woman. Yeah, that's that's... I thought it was hard to have a girlfriend being on tour, but that that would be even worse or more difficult. Yeah, it was very yeah. difficult on her yeah. and and me, obviously. But of course, I was just like in La La Land, away from you know when you're in prison, just away from society, and it's like this slow environment where you can't really communicate yeah. with anybody you love. So, I mean, the communication's like you know, ten minute phone call or whatever. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it was very hard on her. Yeah. And she stuck it out like a G. Yeah. And we are still together. Good. So good. That's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh and so yeah, like what's what's next? What's what's like what's on the horizon? Do you have any any Yeah, uh I have a a split 12-inch coming out with a it's all acoustic material. It's just nice. uh you with, you you playing and singing or with other yeah. people? Um, it's a split with my friend Pat the Bunny, who's um, uh, like a folk punk musician uh-huh. from a band called Ramshackle Glory, and that's gonna be really cool. And it's I, like we're our recordings are just live guitar and singing, 
and two of the songs are vocal collabs as well. But then we also got like accordions on it and strings and you know banjos and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's pretty neat. And that's cool. coming out some point this year on DIY Bandits label. Okay, that's kind not, of another not, like not on fake for no. That's kind of like another scene that's taken to what I do. Okay, which is cool. It's been really fun. Like this like acoustic punk scene. A lot of young people are hearing my stuff for the first time because of that. Which dope, is, dope, which is cool, dope. Um, and anything that that you see in like in the distant future that you would like to get into that you can say that you can talk about. Um, you trying to write a movie? Trying to? Uh... <laughs> Not really, man. I, I I did write a lot of poetry in um in prison, and I definitely found my voice. Uh huh. And it's different than my songwriting. And I, even though I, I take a lot, my songs are based on some of that writing, especially for the new al- albums. Um, it's different, so maybe I can, maybe I'll sit but down and actually, book or yeah, something. do something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I, I really just want to focus on this music thing for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. trying to do a movie anytime soon. Sure, sure. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta have a focus. You gotta stay. Yeah. Eye on the tiger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Anything else that we missed that we should be talking about? I mean, there's obviously... Damn, I mean... There's no, we can only talk about so much. In, in I, I really liked your set tonight. It was... Oh, thank you, I'd man. never seen you do a set like that. That was really cool. I, I I've just, seen you with bands. Yeah. And 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 I and probably the... Maybe the earliest times I saw you ever, you you were just rapping on beats, but... Uh, yeah. It was like the early Anticon days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm better at it now than I was back then, I think. You, I, I thought you killed it. <laughs> it was fun, man. And, Thank uh, you, man. It's good to hear some of the songs again. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. It's fun to do it like that. I remember Tim Soul playing us Cloud Dead before it came out. Yeah, this was probably the year two thousand. I don't know that he liked it back then. Maybe he did. I don't know. He was championing. He was it okay for okay, sure. Good. good, 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 good. And um, I remember being in in the. It was like an East East Oakland loft yeah, yeah. some sort yeah they had that it was like a uh, warehouse space type yeah, thing. yeah like a yeah, warehouse yeah. type joint and he was just playing us your stuff he was introducing us to you okay <laughs> really dope. it's like all he was playing us oh dope it okay really got us into it and you know some of my favorite stuff Anticon ever did nice well. nice so I still I gotta get one of these with Tim by the way is he oh yeah do you, you still talk to him yeah is he is he in Colorado still yeah, he's in Denver, okay. doing very well. Cool, cool. I just saw him on this tour, actually. I'll have to check him out for sure. I, I haven't been to Denver in a minute, but uh, next time I am. He bought his house there. and Oh, great. He's doing good? And, yeah, he's That's doing good. really well. That's good. Um, yeah, that's good, right? Yeah, are we good? I think we're good. Uh, I, I've been sitting here in this Fairfield Inn up in, uh, where are we at? Wallingford. Wallingford, Connecticut. Connecticut. Um, Cuts with Chesky here, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign off. Say bye to these these folks. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. All right, I am walking down Cluxton Alley right now. That was just an air conditioner of, of the uh, coffee shop there. Walking down Cluxton Alley, and. Uh, just want to tell you how beautiful it is to, uh, to speak to y'all today.
and to have you all listen to this stuff. The joy of walking down this brightly painted yellow alley. It's, it's great to have you guys at Yoni Wolf on Twitter. Uh, you know the deal, the Wandering Wolf Podcast.com. And uh, you can buy some t shirts there. Go and do so. I suggest you do so. They're beautiful. And let's talk about these dates that I have coming up um, very soon. Here, the rain is now dumping in earnest here on Hamilton Avenue in Northside, Cincinnati. Um, I do have some dates coming up. I'll, I'll throw those out to you real quick. I believe they begin July 23rd in Bloomington, July 24th in Madison, Wisconsin, July 25th in Minneapolis, Minnesota, July 26th in Chicago, Illinois. But you know what? Do your math on those. Do your due diligence and take a look at those because I could be a day off on all those for all I know. Okay? But um, please, if you're in any of those cities, come and, come and see me. I'm, I'm uh, doing solo shows and bringing Serengeti in tow like I have been recently. Uh, okay. You guys, take her easy. And uh, stay out of this rain. And keep wandering. Barely noticed puberty as hair grew subtly onto my virgin flesh, permanently burning away at my baby fat chest. Chest gave the stretch marks from when you were 16 or still there to tell you that you're going nowhere. Fast at least, no masterpiece will last a week while giants and dragons jump into the canvas sheet. How you gonna prove you're not another sucker with a dream living under your grandpa's roof in a room with your brother? All of us wanna be someone better until the moment where the ominous comes and just stomps in our festival. It's a fucking rain. Any day, plain and gray in Connecticut, whatever we're saving grace to take us away, it is just one quick moment for the perfect to arrive. In just one moment, all the fronts will jump the sky. One quick moment for the perfect to arrive. In just one moment, all the fronts will jump the sky. Monstrosities wave of the wind above a cheering crowd that's tearing down our city simply with the blaring sound of oohs and ahs and huge applause as people scurried to catch a glimpse of balloons and fog. Everybody in LA was looking for a lucky break when all I really wanted was to get out of that fucking place. I never wanted to be that big blimp in a parade that just sits in deep haze waiting for the day that it deflates. One quick moment to the parade comes alive. Like after snarf jokes of Thundercats episodes We'll reminisce about bullshit we walked through on this wretched road It was a mess I know, tough to pass the test of growth But we never let those folks question our endless sense of hope This is a song for all my friends trying to live off music A song for my people who are told every day that they'll never do it And even though we'll all wind up in space under graves At least we kept our legs strong moving along the whole way Wait one moment
outro actually it sounds more like an outro. I'm like, oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> or something like that.